And notice in verse 7, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, he determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable. Welcome, everyone. And thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Matthew actually tells us little about the birth of Jesus. What Matthew does tell us is what happens to Jesus after his birth in Bethlehem. Herod the Great was indeed great. He was in charge at that time. In some ways, great as a ruler, builder, and administrator. In other ways, great in politics and cruelty. In his last years, suffering and illness that compounded his paranoia, he turned to cruelty and in fits of rage and jealousy killed close associates. He turned his anger on the newborn baby Jesus because of those referring to Jesus as a king. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 2 in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Good morning. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. The last couple of weeks we've been going through just the first uh, chapter and there's certainly a lot here. And there's a lot more here than we would have time to even go over. (laughs) But the Lord specifically put this on my heart this morning, or actually the last couple of days, uh, concerning the passage we're going to look at this morning. And um, before we get into Matthew chapter 2, there are events in the life of Jesus that have already occurred. As you know, the Bible is not a necessarily a chronological record. Uh, Sometimes there is a a chronology, and other times it's kind of um, uh, not so much. Uh, But there is a chronology, and we know that as the harmony of the Gospels. And the harmony of the Gospels basically takes all four Gospels and puts them in a sequence of events. And that can be done with a lot of time and a lot of prayer and a lot of effort, but uh, those have, uh, that has already been done by many people. And, uh, and so we know that before this event that we're reading about today in chapter 2 of Matthew, before that occurs, there are some things in, the, in Luke chapter 2, in fact, verses 1 through 38, happen before we get to here in Matthew 2. So cr- chronologically, uh, that'll help you understand. And for me, that's a big deal because I, I think it's important to understand the context of everything. 
And the context in the word of God is so important, and it's important for us to piece these things together. And once you do that, things open up to you. Your, your, your mind and your heart open up, and your understanding will open up as well. So let me just highlight some of the events that have already occurred before we get to Matthew 2. In Luke chapter 2, the first 38 verses, it basically has for us the time that Joseph and Mary had to leave Nazareth and they had to go back to Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus had planned a, a census for all the people and everybody had to return to the land of their nativity. And of course, Joseph's land of nativity was Bethlehem of Judah and certainly so was Mary's, but uh, Joseph was the head of the home. And so they would have to travel, travel from Nazareth up in the northern part of Israel all the way down south to Bethlehem. It's, it's a very long uh, walk, which is what they did. And, and remember that Mary and Joseph did that when Mary was very pregnant. Very pregnant. Can you imagine that, guys, on a rough terrain? It's, it's much, uh, you know, it, it'd be hard enough if, if the thing was paved with asphalt all the way from, you know, Nazareth down to Jerusalem or up to Jerusalem. But it wasn't that way. The roads were very rough. They were very rocky. There was a lot of rough terrain, and they had to go through that with a pregnant woman who was about ready to pop. <laughs> she was about ready to give birth. And so this is hard, and ladies, you, you can understand the trial that that must have been for Mary. So they have to leave Nazareth to go down to Bethlehem to, uh, for this census. And once in Bethlehem, remember, Mary delivered Jesus, and they were going to a cataluma or a, uh, a guest chamber in Bethlehem, but there was no room for them in the inn that they were to go in, and so they had to be out in the area under, um, we assume, under some kind of shelter where the animals were kept for all the guests that were in the, in the inn. And that's where Mary and Joseph were, and that's where Mary gave birth to Jesus. And she placed him, remember, in a manger, which is a feeding trough. And then in that same chapter, we also know that the shepherds who were out in the fields, they uh, were visited by this angelic visitation proclaiming that Christ would be born in Bethlehem, fulfilling many of the Old Testament prophecies, and certainly Bethlehem was the city of David. And those shepherds, finally, they come and they find out where Joseph and Mary were. And they come, and remember, they, they, um, they come and they visit both of them. And then Jesus is circumcised on the eighth day. It tells us that in Luke chapter 2. According to the law of Moses... After eight days, a child is to be circumcised, a male child, and so that happened. And then about a month after that, they presented Jesus in the temple after Mary's purification had ended, which was about 33 days. And then Simeon and Anna, remember, have this wonderful moment where they see Jesus in the temple when he's being presented and Simeon and Anna both prophesy, very aged people waiting for the consolation of Israel. And so those events occurred, and now we get into chapter 2. And let's just go ahead and read just the, um, let's just read the first 12 verses of this. Notice what it says. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod, 
Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, notice he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And here he quotes from Micah 5, verse 2. He says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And notice in verse 7, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, he determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when... They had opened their treasures. They presented gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Actually, let's read on in verse 13. It says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, notice, in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and there stay until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son." And so by the time the events of Matthew take place, Jesus was at least one year old. And we're gonna, we know that from uh, a verse that we're going to get to shortly, in verse 16 specifically, but we'll, we'll get there. But he was at least one years old, maybe even one and a half, maybe even as old as two years old. And what we're going to see this morning, and one thing I want to zero in on, is just the plot that Satan had from the very beginning to snuff out Jesus' life. And not only to snuff out Jesus' life through, the, through Genesis, all the way throughout the Bible. The Bible remembers a book of redemption. And so as Herod, as we see him today losing his mind, probably a demon-possessed man, maybe if, if nothing else, he was severely oppressed and influenced by demons, he is now seeking to kill the Son of God, who has been prophesied for hundreds of years, even a couple millennia. And so now we come to this place where he wants to kill Jesus. And there had been a plot long ago, beginning in the garden, we'll look at that. The devil knows very well the word of God. He knows it better than we do, but here's the difference. He chooses to disobey In his rebellion, he chooses to disobey. But you and I, hopefully, are all obedient to the word of God because Jesus is our Savior. He's our our Lord and Savior, isn't he? And the Bible mentions that in that order, Lord and Savior, not Savior and Lord, because if he's not Lord of your life, how can you have confidence that he's your Savior as well? 
Because I can live like a devil and then claim the Lord to be my Savior, but it really doesn't work out so well. But if he's Lord of my life, chances are that transplant, that, that transition of my heart has already taken place. In other words, that he is my Savior. So Lord and Savior. Well, let's go back to verse 1. Notice, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east. Now, it's believed that Jesus was born uh, around 4 B.C. That's uh, a generally held date for his birth. Uh, But before the the death of Herod, uh, but many extra-biblical sources claim and favor a date a little bit later than that, and speaking of autumn of 2 B.C., and not December 25th in the winter. Uh, I think you and I know enough to know that Jesus was not born in the middle of winter where there was snow and everything like that because the shepherds wouldn't be out in their fields. And, and certainly, Caesar Augustus is not going to have a census where everybody's moving around when there's snow on the ground or when it's very cold. It's just something he wouldn't do. He's a madman, but he's not that mad. He, he's very practical. He wants his money. Right, So he wants to make sure there's a census and make it real easy for the people to find out. So we believe that sometime around the autumn of 2 BC is when Jesus was probably born. But we don't know for sure, and that's okay. Somewhere between 4 and 2 BC, that settles it for me, and probably in the autumn and not the winter. Are you guys okay with that? <laughs> I'm okay with that. So, But notice this Herod that was in power was Herod the Great, not Herod Antipas his successor, but Herod the Great. And this man reigned in Judea from uh, 37 B.C. until 4 B.C., until the day that he passed away. But Herod the Great was Idumean, or he was an Edomite, and he was not a Jew, even though his father and his family had converted to Judaism. And his mother was a Nabataean princess. And Idumea was south of of Judah and Nabatea was even further south and also to the uh, east and, and around the south of Judah. And notice that these wise men came from the east. These wise men, we know that they are called the Magi or Magos in the Greek. And these were Oriental scientists. They were magicians. They were astrologers. Men who were very learned and and studied the stars and the patterns of stars. And many of them came from Babylon. uh, And even the ones that are coming to Jerusalem to see Jesus, they they could have been from Babylon or from the Medes or the Persians, which is modern-day Iran. Iran. And they discovered this unique body in the heavens. And because they were astrologers... It piqued their curiosity, and they began to look into it. And finally, they discovered, you know, there's something about this. And the Jewish scriptures also say that there's going to be a Savior born, and could this be the time? And so they diligently sought these things, and they traveled for hundreds of miles on very rough terrain, and they brought with them all of these treasures, all of these treasures. But they were noticing the star, And it reminded me of a psalm, Psalm 19. Remember what it says? The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows forth his handiwork. And these men, these uh, from another pagan nation, they were paying attention. 
And so they're looking. And so even the heavens were engaged in the birth of Jesus to show that he is the Savior of the world. In fact, the Hebrew Matzeroth is said to show the story of redemption through the patterns in the stars. The virgin, and and then the death of Christ, and all of these, and the constellations. And don't get that confused with astrology and and the, the horoscope and all that. But the Jews saw these patterns And they believed that there was a story of redemption in them, and that's the way they approached those things. But for hundreds of treacherous miles, these magicians, these astrologers came, and there were more than three. You know, the Bible says that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but that doesn't mean that there were three kings. Although the songs tell us, we three kings of Orient are, right? We all learned that, but there were more than three kings. There were probably a number of them, and they had a big entourage. They had a built-in bodyguard system all the way from Babylon or Persia to Jerusalem, okay? And so there were more than just three. There were probably many more. And that breaks my heart because I got this nativity scene on our, on our mantle of our fireplace, and I've got these three kings and the little you know, oxen and the, and the lamb and everything else, and you know, it's biblically a little bit obtuse, but anyway, it's okay. But notice verse 2, it says that they came to Herod, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And this idea of worship is to literally kneel down, to, to be um, prostrate on the ground, with their head to the ground. The idea of kissing the hand, that's the kind of thing, the, the obeisance that they were doing. They came to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was troubled in all of Israel with him. And this troubled Herod, uh, because he might have been aware as a con- convert to Judaism, he may have been aware of the Jewish prophecies of a Messiah. Or he may have just felt threatened. Remember, Herod was so proud and suspicious of his reign, that uh, his reign being taken from him, that he would kill many of his sons and even one of his wives. Mary Amni was one of the wives who he killed because he was suspicious of her. Herod was a maniac. He was possessed of his power, and any threat to that power he would extinguish. And in fact, in such in light of that, the emperor, Caesar Augustus, had this to say about Herod. He said, it's better, to be a Herod's, it's better to be Herod's pig than his son. Because obviously, if Herod was converted to Judaism, the pig would be safe in his house, but his sons would not be safe. And all of Jerusalem was worried too. They probably knew the character of Herod as well, and they thought, if he's going to be upset, things are going to get really weird around here. So they knew the character of this man. And for someone to come and say, where is this king of the Jews, is going to upset the apple cart pretty bad. (laughs) And so, verse 4, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he uh, of them uh, together... Let me read that again for some reason. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he of them where the, uh, the Christ was to, he asked them where Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophets. And notice, now they diligently search. Do you understand what they've done? That now they've searched diligently about this Messiah, this child who was to be born. The Hebrew scriptures told a lot about. And so now they're searching and they're searching. And doesn't that make them accountable now? 
It does. The religious leaders later on should have taken notes of what was taking place here at the time of Jesus' birth. Because this was a big deal. But notice, he quotes from Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler. And notice, um, you know, this specific scripture gave Satan, and by extension, Herod, all he needed to launch his critical assault. Because Satan has ears. Satan has eyes. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent, but he's aware of what's happening. And his curiosity is piqued, and we'll look at why that is shortly. So Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, he determined from them what time the star had appeared. He called them secretly probably because he didn't want this getting out and possibly thwarting his plan to kill Christ. So he keeps it kind of on the down low so that he can go through with his plan. And you can see here the devil turning the wheels in Herod's mind and his heart and hatching this plan. But notice verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem. Herod sends the wise men. He says, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. In the margin of your Bible next to that, write this, these two words. Yeah, right. In all caps. I've got it in my Bible. Tell us where he is that I can worship him too. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. So when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. And I love this because the word, the verb there, went before them. It literally means it led them. So unlike stars that we see in the heavens today, they're not movable, are they? I mean, they move, but they all move together, right? The, the solar system, I mean, the earth moves and we see everything and everything's kind of fixed. But this star, this star, is they are following this star from Babylon, from Persia, wherever they're at, and they're being led by it, and they are following that star. There's something about this, and they're like, something is happening, something is about to happen, and we want to be there and take pictures. (laughs) We want to be there for this event. And they had an inkling. And so when they saw the star, notice they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold and incense, frankincense and myrrh. And again, notice, these are just the gifts, not the number of kings or the number of um, wise men. And gold they brought, certainly because of his kingly and heavenly origin. If he's the king of the Jews, if he is the Messiah, then he is worthy of any gold that we could bring him. And they would also bring frankincense, which is an ingredient, if you remember, in the tabernacle and in the temple. And it was uh, frankincense was part of the, of the incense that they would use in the temple. And it speaks of intercession. And Jesus, we know, is... It says, therefore, he is also, speaking of Jesus in Hebrews 7, he's also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Aren't you glad that Jesus prays for you? I am very glad that he prays for me. I don't deserve his prayers, but he prays for me. He prays for you and I. And is, he gonna, is God going to answer those prayers? 
Is this father going to make sure that those prayers are answered? Because Jesus, when he prays, he knows exactly what to pray, and there's no flesh in his prayer. He says, Lord, preserve them through COVID-19. <laughs> Lord, help them. Help them. And myrrh also they gave. And myrrh was used for embalming the dead. We know that in John chapter 19, remember when Joseph and, and Nicodemus came, it says that Nicodemus, who came first uh, to Jesus by night, also came with... That's the end of our lesson for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.